Hello and welcome to a very special reaction episode of Scavengers Horde. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to discuss the rise of Skywalker. Release our initial um, responses to it. And I just want to say at the very beginning that we will be talking about this movie with spoilers. So if for any reason you have clicked on this podcast and do not know, want to know anything about the movie, please just stop. Okay. Thanks, guys. It's very difficult to talk about this movie without spoilers, essentially. Um, yeah, you can curve with this, don't you, Kirsty? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially if people already know our reading of the story so far and what we were expecting to see. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's safe to say. Okay, so Kirsty is still very raw from this movie. How many hours ago did you last see this movie, Kirsty? Maybe two or three hours. It's kind of been a blur since then because I had to run home and eat and put the baby to bed. Sure. But you've watched it twice today, right? I've watched it twice and also slept. Um, although I, did, I didn't get much sleep because I'm sort of like on that adrenaline high I get when a movie, when a Star Wars movie comes out. So um, yeah, <laughs> I'm a bit sleep deprived right now. But I am happy to be honest because I always feel bad for saying this because I... I don't want like my enjoyment to be like a taunt for people who didn't enjoy the movie so much, but I did really enjoy the movie, and yeah, for me it did improve a lot and held together much better on the second viewing. But this movie is deeply flawed, guys, um, and I think that's obvious to anyone like checking social media, looking at reviews, etc., etc. So yeah, we're gonna have a frank discussion, and this will just be the first of many discussions, I'm sure, because there is a lot to say. Um, but yeah, do you want to just articulate your initial feelings, Kirsty? <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> um, I. It's hard to articulate it honestly because mm. I feel like you know having a podcast, you're thinking about Star Wars all the time. Sure. We're not the target audience, you know. This is for the general audience, and we're just kind of there because we love Star Wars. So you have to take it for what it is. Um. But I just, I find it kind of funny and I've just been kind of alternating between sadness and hysterics since. Oh, bless you. Because, you know, we've been theorising for like two years, mm. wondering if this movie would give us those sensual things that we wanted and kind of took away from our reading of The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, you know, romantic Raylo and Ben Demption. Yep. And it, and it gave us both of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, it did that but what I didn't anticipate at least I'd never really considered it was that JJ might just somehow make a bad movie mm. um, which I think he's done so I will eventually I'm going to do my best to focus on the parts that I love yes or sure. at least like yeah. and, and maybe learn to love some other stuff and, and I really... I wouldn't ever want to disparage the hard work that people put into this. There's amazing design. There's just amazing work. There are some great performances. Um, there's just so much that I dislike mm. and I'm disappointed by. And I wish that I wasn't. I wish that I liked it. Sure. Um, I just feel like personally I was totally spoiled by The Last Jedi and what Ryan Johnson brought to Star Wars. And I wish that Ryan had directed and written this too. But he didn't. So I'm going to have to live with that yeah no I think everything you're saying is 100% valid and yeah it's undeniable that Ryan Johnson's film is far more 
confident and well put together and it's just like a properly done movie Rose, you can tell that Rise of Skywalker is a bit of a mess you know and I'm saying these criticisms as someone who enjoyed the movie you know and had a lot of fun with it because I'm quite good at compartmentalizing and I'm good at having fun with something even as I can acknowledge it's very very flawed um, maybe the prequels were good training for that because in my opinion those are very flawed movies but I still enjoy all of them to different degrees yeah and for me this movie had great highs like particular aspects and moments that I just loved so much that yeah I feel quite good about being able to focus on those and I am excited about this movie because there is a lot to say about it and there's a lot to unpick <laughs> so yes um so should we start with the positives Kirsty? like what things stood out to you as being good which parts did you enjoy the strongest parts for me were the Raylo scenes yeah but the big caveat there is that I hated all of the Ray Palpatine stuff and obviously Ben is the one to break that to her of course yeah um I I I hate saying hate when it comes to Star Wars yeah I really do not want to be a hater but when when The Force Awakens came out, I did read that story as Rey was a nobody who was going to become somebody. And then I think that Ryan maybe had similar ideas and pursued those in The Last Jedi. He said that he kind of went down the list of potential lineages for Rey and decided that nobody was the most powerful thematically for what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that JJ's respected that here. And I could maybe make my peace with it if I could see something in The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi to foreshadow it, but there isn't anything. Like, it's so clear to me that they decided, as they were writing this, that Rey was a Palpatine. Yeah. And it's really clumsily conveyed. Um, I just don't buy it. And it makes me really sad, because I feel like it does away with a lot of what the sequel trilogy was saying about who you can become how you don't need your past to define you and and i think it was trying to say that in a different way like oh she's she's good even though she's a palpatine even though she has to wrestle with that darkness but that darkness was coming from her being a palpatine which i also didn't appreciate because ray had a lot of darkness because of the circumstances of which she grew up in and I, I can't get away from the Ray Palpatine stuff. Yeah. To to frame it as, like, a good thing or an act of love that her parents abandoned her on Jakku. Yeah. I can't wrap my head around that because, I mean, we saw at the beginning of The Force Awakens, she was an indentured servitude. Like, yeah. that wasn't... I, I couldn't see how that could be an act of love to do that to her. Yeah. <sighs> like... For me, that's one of those dumb Star Wars things where, yeah, I understand in principle that by abandoning this child like this, you're protecting her from Palpatine, who obviously has very, very bad plans for this child. So I get that it's an act of love in that way. But yeah, you do have basic questions like, aren't there space orphanages? I was going to say, isn't there somewhere (laughs) else you could take her where she'd be safer and under the watch of an adult? Yeah. I just really you just dumped her somewhere i can only imagine they were very 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 desperate and that is probably a story we're going to get in a novel or something but again that shouldn't be the way it is you know they should be and just the idea of palpatine having a child just out of nowhere (laughs) it was very like harry potter and the cursed child yeah yeah 
Her dad was quite young, actually, as well, when he died, which made it even more gross to me because that, to me, implies that Palpatine must have had sex after he got that hideous deformity, um, which is a bit like, ooh. And he- was emperor. Yeah, exactly. So Ian McDermott, not not too bad good looking a guy, you know, for an old <sighs> white dude. Um, but, yeah, Emperor Palpatine deformed, no. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be focusing on the positives. No, no, and it's I think- fine. No, because this is what bums me out. Like, as mm. I was watching it, I was like, oh, I can tell it's coming up. Like, she, he's out of the pit. He's going to save her. Like, all the stuff that we wanted to see. And I, I, I will get to the point where I'm able to appreciate this. But as it was happening, I was like, I should be focusing on this. I should be enjoying it. I've waited four years to see these characters kiss. Yeah. And I can't enjoy it because I'm so distracted by how little I've enjoyed the rest of the movie. Right. Yeah. It was a real bummer. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Kirsty. Like in terms of what you enjoyed, you want to talk a bit more about like the radio scenes and stuff. She said you found those the best part of the movie. Once <laughs> she stabbed him on the Death Star, yes, and that was like the turning point. And I, I really liked that she. They were talking about the Last Jedi and how he offered her his hand and he was like next time i offer it to you you're gonna say yes and she called back to it too and she said i wanted to take your hand but i wanted it to be ben's yeah i was like yes yeah they are saying there that ray wanted to be with him in the last jedi which we stuck our flag in the sun and said that is what was happening there yeah. that was why it mattered she yeah. wanted to be with him but she wanted to be with ben not kylo Yep. For me, that was the best line in the entire movie. That was so well done. And yeah, I was just staggered by Daisy, to be honest, in this film. I think it might be my favourite of her sequel trilogy performances. I just felt like there was so much like raw emotion and feeling that she poured into everything. And yeah, that was a big reason why I was in for the ride, I think, because she really locked me into it. I think it's my least favourite of her performances, but I don't think that's her fault. I just think a lot of the dialogue is really clunky. Yeah. Um, and I I think a lot of it is just wasted on all this MacGuffin stuff. But yeah, the, the Raylo stuff, and once he decided to get his act together, and then the hand scene with the mirroring of the Force Awakens scene, and um, I did like how they connected that for Ben and Leia, because they yeah. couldn't have a scene together, but they obviously died. Well, no, she died, but you know what I mean. I know what you mean. It yeah, was, yeah. It was connected together with him turning back to Ben. So yeah. They found connectedness between them, like despite yeah. the horrible circumstances of Carrie not being around. Yeah, and I, and I did love how Ben Solo was clearly distinguished from Kylo Ren at that point onward. Oh yeah, once he he arrived, he was very you could you could tell this was Han Solo's son. Yeah, I I really loved that. For me, it was just this complete turn and change in demeanor. You could still see the core of who he'd been throughout this whole sequel trilogy. But there is just such a lightness about him now, you know, and like a playfulness that had never been there before. And it was just so wonderful to watch. It made me honestly want like five Ben Solo movies. That's what's so heartbreaking about it, because we didn't get it for very long and Ben never got to be that way. Yeah. Like that, that was it. Like, (laughs) I know it's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Like it will get better. I promise. (laughs) I'm just, I'm so sad. Yeah, no, and it's completely valid to feel sad. We love these characters so much. And to be honest, it's a sign of the success of the sequel trilogy overall that we do care this much. 
you know and it's a testament to the actors and the performances and everything that we care because I think the worst thing that could happen is that the movie would make you feel nothing and I have seen some people where that seems to be the case so oh dear and I'm very sorry for you if that is true um but most people I know seem to be heartbroken and I, I yeah I'd prefer not to be heartbroken by a Star Wars movie but damn this movie didn't make me feel things so yeah well that's yeah. the thing I I didn't feel too much while I was watching it because I was I don't know almost numb from just the non-stop action scenes going from planet to planet and flying the falcon and then getting chased by these ties and there was just so much it felt like I it felt almost like I was watching a two and a half hour trailer <laughs> yes. where the characters didn't have time to breathe and slow down and reflect and that scene when he comes back and saves Ray's life and they kiss and then he dies it happens so quickly I feel like that mm. there was such a high like the audience was cheering as they kissed and then the next second he's gone yeah and i think because of the other things that the other fake outs the many many death fake outs throughout this movie yeah i think people were hoping that he was going to come back and he didn't yeah no of course it's like why of all the deaths does that have to be the death that sticks so yeah like again i can argue with anything you're saying you know i think it's all completely valid and the only thing I can say is I do think it will get better with time as we digest the movie and accept it and like, okay, this is how the story is ending, you know? And sh- could it and should it have been better? A hundred percent yes. Absolutely. And it's a shame because it comes off two really strong movies in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. But I do think it will become easier to appreciate the Rise of Skywalker on its own terms and for the stuff it does do well as time passes and the bad parts can be accepted a bit more and aren't as painful. I mean, I hope so, but really, I think Ben's death is hitting the fandom really hard. Mm. People deeply identify with that character. Yeah. And, you know, for four years, I've been kind of bracing myself to see it, but I still feel like I wasn't fully prepared. Um, oh, yeah. It was like, it wasn't so much as it was happening, because like I said, it that scene it happens really quickly, and I do have to see it again to kind of take it all in. Yeah. But afterwards, when you see Rey by herself on Tatooine, and I think the idea is that it's almost like they were <laughs> being almost too literal with her integrating the shadow and wedding the animus so that he's literally like living on in her as the life force, right? He's yeah. He's to her. I don't know, I... I think it's supposed to be hopeful and maybe on some level it is but on another it's just heartbreaking and yeah um i think it's going to be really hard for people to kind of process that yeah myself included because of course at the moment we have the rise of kylo ren comic coming out and mm-hmm. that's kind of exonerating ben for a lot of the things that he supposedly did yeah which is just as heartbreaking because this is a character who never really got a chance Mm. yeah no like it is really sad and by the end of this movie you love him more than you've probably ever loved him to be honest and any of the sequel trilogy movies because of just that awesome ben solo stuff and seeing him in that purer version again and i love kylo ren as well you know and i loved him even when he was doing like messed up shit um but yeah 
how could anyone hate Ben Solo? And then he dies. So, right. yeah. I'm just, I'm having a hard time with it because I've been thinking about this a lot recently with Lucasfilm's kind of approach to um, the coding of mentally ill slash dark side characters. Mm, um, yeah. And like the dynamic that we got in the prequels with Anakin and Palpatine. And, you know, it's pretty full on with the grooming from a young age. And it turns out that, oh, Palpatine's been doing that to Ben all along too. Yeah. But I, I don't feel very often like Lucasfilm is being sensitive enough with pretty serious issues of trauma and abuse. It kind of glosses over it. And I mm. guess that's just how Star Wars is. Yeah. But when when people relate to these characters for these reasons, it can be deeply painful mm. when these kinds of choices are made. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be kind of hard for a lot of people to reconcile with. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I have deep empathy for anyone who's hurting right now. You know, like, I feel really bad for everyone because in an ideal world, everyone would love this movie and it would be a great movie you know but obviously that hasn't happened and yeah all I can hope is that people come to terms with it a bit more and can reach a place where they're more at peace with it because yeah I think we were saying before we started recording that in a way it almost makes it more painful that you have the wonderful kiss scene which is so well executed and so well acted by Daisy and Adam it's just beautiful and it almost makes the death more painful because you go from these absolute extremes of that highest of highs to the lowest of lows of him dying. And yeah, I can totally see why people would feel like it's um, a cruel joke, essentially. Although I really don't think it was meant to be remotely malicious on the part of the creators because I do think it's framed as this really, really beautiful moment of selfless love. And yeah, it's in my opinion, the best way in which Ben Solo could have died if he had to die, because he did go out literally saving the life of the woman he loved, and he went out knowing that he was loved. Yeah, I do think it's meant to be an emotional, serious moment, and it's a true choice for Ben. You can see him as he holds Ray's body, you can see him making that choice, and it's a true sacrifice that he's saving his love here, and it's selfless, Um, and that's it's you know kind of the opposite of Anakin and Padme which morphed into a possessive twisted version of love mm. like Ben's love saves him and Rey yeah um, and death isn't always a punishment in fiction and especially in Star Wars you know Vader wasn't punished by dying he ascended into the force and became a force ghost and was with his friends again he found peace um, we don't see Ben as a ghost but his body kind of disappears in that way so it's kind of left open-ended as to what they would want to do with that character in the future or how he and Ray might still communicate yeah I'd like to see some straight up like amber spyglass um Orpheus and Eurydice ship going into the yeah. underworld finding the dead that's what it reminded me of that it was so close and yet snatched away it did remind me of like Will and Lyra in his dark materials where yeah. characters realize their love for each other finally express it and then it's almost too late already mm yeah and there's something heartbreakingly poignant about that yeah it's very angsty <laughs> yeah so depending on your mood you can like that and also find it unbearable yeah exactly hashtag i live for the angst 
Yeah, it's more about the journey of how they get there, right? So yeah, there's the the growth of the female protagonist. So you've got Lyra, you've got Ray, um, rather than a happy ending or after that story's told, it's about how they get there in the first place. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll see, because Lucasfilm clearly never shy away from bringing any characters back from the dead. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. So who knows what will happen. Maybe that's what Project Luminous has been all this time, Kirsty. Oh, maybe. Maybe that's what they couldn't, they couldn't tell us. <laughs> There'd definitely be a good reason not to talk about Project Luminous, so I'd give them a pass if that is indeed what, what it is, because, yeah, Project Luminous man... It's like, I don't know the... But yeah, other stuff I liked. 3PO. Free... Oh yes, 3PO was so good. Yeah, like I can totally understand why Anthony Daniels was so happy with his part in this film because he did have a shit ton to do and I thought he did really well. He was really funny. A lot of the best humour came from him. He, he was great and I love Babu Frick as well. Oh God, yes. I thought Dio was really cute even though I couldn't really work out his purpose beyond being cute I thought that was quite a cute idea to have a droid speaking like that yeah no that was really sweet and it was just nice to see Rey kind of communicating with the droids and like healing the giant worm and stuff like that kind of yeah had that fairy tale aspect to it yeah like as I said earlier I really did love Rey in this movie again I know the Rey Palpatine stuff is very problematic I think I had an easier time with it because I was that weirdo who, after the t- after the Force Awakens, was like, "Oh, she could be a Palpatine." Um, like, and I wasn't alone in that. Quite a few people theorized that when we didn't know any better. But yeah, after the Last Jedi, I was like, "Okay, she's no one, fine." But I think because I had had that idea in my head at one point previously, it was easier for me to deal with when it came back up in this movie. Although, yeah, it's clunky as fuck and raises so, so many because... questions. <laughs> How? Palpatine is just like they explain it in the crawl like oh he's back and sending out messages and he's just there it's the plot holes in this movie and oh and he has a fleet ready to go and oh the first order isn't relevant anymore it's all about the final order (laughs) yeah like the people who um, were like so angry about oh where did the first order come from what's the political landscape they're going to be so pissed with this movie and like understandably so sorry I don't mean to sound like I'm relishing in people's reasonable complaints because yeah it doesn't make sense um but yeah I I kind of have like a laissez-faire attitude to that so I'm fine with it but it is a perfectly reasonable problem to have I'm confused because I do think a lot must have been kind of cut and shuffled around because I swear they've been saying that oh yeah it'll be explained in the movie how Palpatine is back yeah it's like it's not at all yeah no, I think the movie was really heavily edited. Um, do you think we can go into the spoilers and stuff? Well, obviously that's a kind of a moot point at this point because, yeah, we've got the movie. Um, but is it all right to discuss the, Je- the Jedi Paxis leaks? Because there's some interesting stuff in those leaks that I can only presume was cut material from the movie. Uh, sure, but do you want to explain for people who weren't following leaks? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so basically, God, when was it? I think in either September or October, the moderator of the subreddit, Star Wars Leaks, who's called Jedi Paxis, um, he posted very, very detailed story breakdowns of this movie, basically. And they weren't 
complete and hilariously included absolutely none of the Raylo parts at all. Or if they did, they framed them as purely antagonistic and having nothing to do with romance or emotion, um, which is hilarious in um, retrospect. But yeah, they those story breakdowns are also interesting because they include subplots and story beats that I can only presume were cut in the editing room. Like, there's that strange moment with Lando and Janna at the end of the movie where they sit down together and Lando's like, where do you come from? And she's like, I don't know. He's like, well, we'll find out. And apparently in the original script, she was going to be his daughter who'd been kidnapped. And I don't know how I feel about that because as it stands in the movie, Janna feels like a kind of lightweight character. You know, I really like the actress and the actress did a good job and was very charismatic and appealing. But yeah, as a character, there's just not enough time with her for her to really leave her much of an impression. And I think her being Lando's daughter would have definitely left more of an impression, but it would also have been like a goofy as fuck coincidence. So yeah, I don't know how I feel about the choice to remove that. I think that is one of the things that makes this a bad movie for me, that they have Mm. all these threads of things where they could have gone somewhere interesting and then it's just dropped and it's like, why is this here except to like hint at something that could have been interesting, but then you go an entirely different way because you've got to move on to the next thing. Like it's, it's like they had this endless list of stuff they had to just shove into this movie. Mm. And there's no, to me, there's no discernible narrative structure. There's very little character development outside of Rey and Kylo. Yeah. Uh, it's such a shame. It is a shame. I did like some of the stuff they did with Poe. Um, like I liked the whole spice runner thing and that oh. little relationship he had going on with Sori. Clearly no one consulted with the story group over that stuff. <laughs> That's not Poe's history. He was a New Republic pilot. Yeah. Like I was quite amused, um, like watching this movie and thinking in the back of my mind, <laughs> Pablo Hidalgo is gonna be so pissed with JJ Abrams in this movie. See that just bumped me out. Like yeah. they're there for a reason. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I, yeah, I I just was thinking back to kind of the hints that Pablo gave after The Force Awakens that they didn't feel listened to on that one. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it, it's like bad robot almost as much as Lucasfilm, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, And I don't know. I just, I don't quite know how Star Wars is going to continue forward with the everything is equally canon thing because it's obviously not. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it raises lots of question marks and stuff. Because with this movie, one thing it has going for it is there are lots and lots of threads you could pick up in expanded universe material. So many threads. Yeah. But, it yeah. Makes it... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's I'm also sorry, dangerous in... ground. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting into full on. I'm getting close to rant mode here. Cause... No, no, it's fine. It's like our first reaction. You can rant if you want. I'm cool with it. I just really wanted to like it and mm. it's like there are maybe there's maybe a skeleton of a good movie there somewhere yeah like I, I do think there were interesting ideas but they couldn't commit to anything so you just get this like jumbled mess like all of this MacGuffin stuff I was just like why are we focusing on this in the last of the Skywalker saga movies like all of this stuff to get to the Death Star and then she's walking around and there's the concept of like the haunted gothic mansion and then she sees this vision of herself and then she finds the wayfinder and then ben's there and then oh 
the wayfinder's gone. It's, it's I can't I couldn't connect to anything. I couldn't see the point of anything. Mm. And maybe that's more about me than the movie. Maybe I just need to see it again. Like Daisy warned in interviews that people would need to see things a few times to get them. And I was like, I know we will because we're Star Wars fans. But is that a strength of your movie if the average person won't be able to follow stuff or know why it's important? I think the average person will probably be fine with it because they probably won't be thinking that hard, to be honest. And they won't be seeking like that thematic richness that like noobs like us will be because that's our bread and butter. it just makes it a fully forgettable movie to them. Yeah. No, it's true. And it's a shame. And I don't get me wrong, I do think there is interesting thematic stuff going on in this movie, you know? Like, and I found it rewarding with a second watch. So I think Daisy's right in that it does reward repeat viewings and you get more out of it when you see it again. Um, but yeah. And, and again, it just underlines that difference between this movie and The Last Jedi, you know, and how The Last Jedi is more cohesive and it's a much, much clearer artistic statement because yeah it it just is yeah honestly i struggled to discern what jj was trying to say with this movie beyond almost rushing through it it almost felt like i just need to finish it i need to finish the saga yeah um i just i couldn't i couldn't grasp what he was saying yeah um, which is a shame because i would love to take it apart and focus on arcs and themes like we did with the last jedi but i'm struggling to really pick anything out that would be worth discussing in depth at some point yeah i do think the rain kylo stuff will be but yeah but beyond that i would struggle that's the thing and that's what breaks my heart because you know that has been at the center of the sequel trilogy so i expected it to be the center of this movie too but i also expect the rest of it to hold up because you've got an amazing cast you've got these characters that you've had for two movies now that ideally should have been developing and will develop further here but i swear poe has been a different character for each movie (laughs) yeah no it's true like as much as i enjoyed the spice runner stuff and found amusement in it it was completely out of nowhere and yeah i'm the first person to admit that yeah like i did like zori and i love carrie russell as an actress so i thought she did well yeah um but (laughs) yeah it was just like what are they doing with poe here (laughs) Yeah, they made choices. Yeah, like Zori was an interesting character. Like some, her motivations did turn on a dime a bit, but that was something that played a bit better for me second time around. So I was able to follow it more because at first I was like, why did she go so quickly from like wanting to hand Ray into the First Order to being like, oh yeah, no, you're fine. I'll help you now. Um, That seemed very quick. But then I realized there's the line about her appreciating Ray and admiring what she was doing. And I was like, okay, I can accept that. Is it quick and rushed? Yes, but I can accept that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Even the stuff where they all show up at the end and they're all like speaking to each other and, oh, we're here. And Is that when all the ships arrive? Yeah. Yeah. And of course, we had to have super Star Destroyers where everyone has the power <laughs> of a Death Star. <laughs> oh my God, JJ. Like, you need to stop the super weapons, man. <laughs> I tell you what, when we were on the way home, I was talking to my husband about it, and I was like, it felt like the story... And this isn't necessarily a bad thing, because I'm sure there are plenty of kids who watch this and enjoyed the story, but it felt like kids playing other action figures and making up the story over an afternoon. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. It was a very childlike movie. But they paid millions of dollars to write this movie and put it on film? Yes. Um, so I honestly hope there are lots of kids out there enjoying it because that's what it's about ultimately. But I was just like, this is... Again, because I, I can't help but compare it with the last movie, The Last Jedi, it just felt so tonally different. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, and I completely get it. So, yeah, this movie's a lot. Um, what did you make of the hand Solo stuff with Ben? Um, I thought it was a good idea mm-hmm. to mirror a lot of the dialogue from their scene in The Force Awakens. Um, and I think they probably did the best they could with it, but I kind of wish it had... I kind of wish it had been a different conversation and they weren't just saying the same things because um, I just felt like it would have felt more authentic to me. It was like, okay, I see what they're doing. Sure. But, um, yeah, it didn't, it didn't feel real, almost, which I know doesn't really make sense. But. No, no, that does make sense. And I, I think it's not meant to feel real because he's not actually there. Oh, yeah. It's, I, I know, I know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, I think it worked for me in that way because it's purely just this manifestation of Ben's consciousness, essentially. It's him talking to himself. It's just visualised in this hyper-literal way. Um, which, yeah, is a little bit peculiar, but I really enjoyed seeing Adam and Harrison together again. And again, performance-wise, I think they were both great, and especially that little dad that Adam does at the end, it broke my yeah, heart a little I bit. Did like, I did like the dad I know. Yeah. But it also struck me that dad was the last word he said, and that wasn't even that far into the movie. Yeah. I understand why people struggle with the lack of dialogue from Redeemed Ben. Honestly, that worked for me because I think I found the performance so powerful that I'm not sure what words could have added to it. Like, obviously, if they were words written by someone like Ryan Johnson, they probably would have added a lot, you know. But But this clunky dialogue. Yeah, but because the script was a bit clunky, I was like, yeah, you're safer off just trusting Adam to kill it with his performance, guys. I loved seeing Ben Solo, so that wasn't an issue. Um, Yeah, I'm just always going to wish that we got more of him. Of course. Yeah. No, it's a pity. And... Yeah, Adam Driver is so good, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, I'm sorry, but to be able to create such a well-formed character in Ben Solo in, like, five minutes, you know, is pretty extraordinary. And, yeah, it's all that Adam Driver bossness. Oh, God. Okay, we should move on to talking about something besides Ben Solo, because I'll start crying again. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, let's do that. I'm going to try and think about something that is not quite as devastating or sad. So I was about to start talking about the ending, but that would definitely set you off. Well, um, one, something that did honestly really bum me out, and I knew it going in, so I yeah. prepared for it, but I was really disappointed by what they did with Rose or what they didn't do. Sure, yeah. Um, Because you'd think from Kelly being on the press tour that she'd kind of have a significant role but she she wasn't in it like much more than Dominic Monaghan was <laughs> yeah you know um, no and it's it's ro- odd to me to have Finn ask her oh are you gonna come on this exciting adventure and she's like no thanks I've got to stay here it's yeah like, there's no there's no reason she couldn't have gone like they obviously decided to keep her there yeah um it was really frustrating and while I liked Jana, the purpose she served in the story was 
essentially like a rose substitute to be honest just a girl that Finn could hang out with and yeah it's a shame and it doesn't seem particularly warranted to me to yeah just ignore the character like that yeah and to ignore their dynamic because I think we got like shades of her being concerned when she realized that Finn was still down there and hadn't made it back to a ship and stuff like that towards the end so you could like maybe spin that into a oh yeah there's some shade of Finn Rose there Mm. but otherwise their relationship as it was left at the end of The Last Jedi when they kissed uh, was pretty much just not to be found anywhere yeah it was a real pity. Like, Finn's whole romantic landscape in this movie is very strange. Okay, so the stuff with him being like, Ray, I've got to tell you something. <laughs> Do you interpret that as him loving her? <sighs> or is it, oh, I'm force sensitive? Or I like, really what, think what it, it could be either. And that was one of the parts of the movie that bugged me the most. Because... Was something cut? There's no payoff. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't build to anything. You know, and it's very frustrating. Like, if we, after the movie's been out and someone asks, hey, what was that about? Can they give a conclusive answer or is it just like up in the air? Oh, yeah, and he needed to tell us something. I don't know what it was. <laughs> What's the point? Yeah. It didn't add anything to the character. It just kind of meant that instead of having a fully fleshed out arc of his own, like he did in The Last Jedi, Finn was kind of just following Rey around for most of the movie. Yeah that it was disappointing there's no way other way of coloring that to be honest and yeah it's kind of surprising because i know john bayago is on record as being really happy with how finn is treated in this movie and from what he's saying clearly prefers this take on finn over what ryan johnson did with finn in the last jedi seems very strange because finn in the last jedi had a very clearly articulated arc and equal focus to Rey as a protagonist just in a separate strand of the story and yeah I can only guess it was because he was just able to hang out with Daisy a lot on set and that clearly resulted in it being a more fun experience but yeah it doesn't equate to having a strong character arc unfortunately because yeah Yeah, Finn doesn't have that it really bums me out because it's like uh, the association of the character in The Last Jedi is maybe a little bit vulnerable and naive and floundering and failing and trying to figure out where he belongs as if those are weaknesses and character flaws that make for a bad story when here yeah he doesn't show any of that he's an action star and has like these little zingers and a lot of band to a poe but there's no depth there yeah um i just i can't see how that would be preferable as an actor it really surprises me yeah but, no you know that that's up to john i suppose yeah different strokes for different folks i suppose yeah it is odd um but yeah i'm sorry i'm no. like going through this list of grievances no it's fine and it's still so fresh for you you know yeah. you're still processing it in a way that i'm not because yeah i've seen it twice i've been able to sleep on it you know and i'm in a place where i'm already feeling quite happy Again, I don't expect you to ever reach the same place, you know, because we all have our unique responses. But yeah, I do hope that for our conversations and stuff, you'll you will be able to find peace with the movie and be able to find greater appreciation for the aspects that do work or that you do like or see promise in. Because yeah, I I want to think that everyone wants to like Star Wars on some level and they want to enjoy themselves. 
you know so I don't think anyone wants to like wallow in like anger or disappointment but at the same time that doesn't mean we're going to brush over criticisms and pretend like the movie is flawless when it's very very clearly the opposite of flawless it's a very flawed movie so yeah I hope that all seems reasonable Kirsty. I just feel bad for you oh no please don't feel bad like it's not the end of the world if I don't sure. like a Star Wars movie yeah yeah no definitely and you know like I said I I was I was happy to kind of get the stuff that I'd hoped for in terms of that central dynamic. I just mm-hmm. wish that we'd had more of it because I'm always going to wish that. Of course. I think it's still very raw, isn't it? <laughs> so. It is. And yeah, I just, I can't know at the moment how it's going to age for me. Mm, um, yeah. I'm supposed to be seeing it again tomorrow. So we'll just see kind of how it evolves. But um, there's just a lot of strands that just don't come to any kind of satisfying fruition for me. Um, yeah. So, like, just for an example, the Knights of Ren, that was something that JJ introduced in The Force Awakens, presumably had some kind of theories about their backstory and how they would fit into Kylo, Kylo's story and how he sees himself. Um, and it was kind of like they just became Palpatine's henchmen. Yeah. I definitely think we're missing a lot of material in terms of what the fuck happens with the First Order after Kylo has his come to Jesus moment and becomes right. Ben Solo again. You know, because like, for example, he turns up on Exegol with a Stormtrooper's blaster. You know, where did he get that blaster from? Like, and now I'm like weaving all these like elaborate, like in-between plots, you know, to explain what happened. And it's like, okay, so did he call, like, a First Order transport to come and pick him up from the Death Star? Then he, like, went back to the Star Destroyer or whatever, like, wrecked up some shit and stole the Stormtrooper's blaster and then, like, stole a ship and, like, zoomed off to Exegol. You know, I want to see that side story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, Kirsty, his outfit change. I live so much for that outfit change. It's beautiful. (laughs) It was funny. And the thing is, it's not an elaborate change, but it's still so perfect. Yeah, because it's, cute. it's just this like loose fitting shirt, and it just instantly tells you all you need to know about how this character has changed. And it's yeah. like genius costume design, genius. I it's loved it. like how Mr. Darcy's costume changes. Um, have you seen the 2005 Pride and Prejudice? I haven't. I know okay. that's sacrilege. I know it's meant to be really good. Oh no! I mean. Plenty of people prefer the BBC version. Yeah. Which I have seen. <laughs> the costume designer has spoken about, as over the course of the movie, obviously Darcy kind of opens up to Elizabeth and realises his love for her and makes changes and that. And then towards the end, as yeah, coming towards those final scenes, he has a much more unbuttoned kind of shedding the layers, right? Which is not like a unique thing. That's a classic classic way to convey those character changes but um that's just kind of what it reminded me of yeah is it too painful for me to list some of the various ways in which i love the whole ben on exegol stuff no okay good i love how he sprints across exegol when he first arrives because he's so desperate to reach ray oh like you see it's already hurting kirsty well yeah but it's supposed to that's the thing yeah i'm you know I'm wrestling with it because, yes, of course, I would have wanted Ben Solo to live. I love that character, and I saw how happy he and Ray were together. Yeah. But it's supposed to be heartbreaking, right? That's what they set up. Yep. So Star Wars is tragedy, as the Skytalkers girls say. <laughs> like, yeah. You kind of just got to go with it, and it breaks your heart, but somehow you got to find some level of hope in there. 
Yeah, I absolutely love the transference of the lightsaber when Ray realizes he's there. That was oh god! Just I incredible. loved his face when they were looking at each other through that Force Bond moment. Yeah, it was like that. That was Ben. Yeah, he was just so alive in that moment. It was really beautiful. He was just rapturously alive, and oh god, it was one of the most satisfying things I've seen like in any Star Wars movie. Um, like I love how when he gets out of the pit and how he's literally limping towards her, and again just so desperate to reach her and just the heartbreak when he realizes that she's dead and oh my god i could feel myself getting upset now yeah see yeah <laughs> i think i've I, i've already cried three times yeah it's a lot and it's it's cathartic you need to cry you have to like process it and work through it and oh fuck i've seen this movie again later today and i'm not sure how well i'm gonna hold up <laughs> um and yeah just the way they hold each other and the way they smile at each other it's, oh my god I, I need to come back to this and talk about it again when like I can be a bit more distant and professional about it if that makes <laughs> sense you know because yeah I'm still know. deep in the feelings <laughs> you know we really identify with these characters and I know lots of our listeners do too so yeah it's okay to just kind of talk it through feeling wise before we get to the analysis yeah um no, yeah, exactly. Like just these characters cradling each other and, and having that open affection after so long. Yeah. And her healing him on the Death Star and touching his his stomach and then him cradling her. Yeah. Um, and then and, that look on his face as he kind of makes the choice. Yeah. And I really love how when, like, when she's healing him, you can tell she's so instantly appalled by what she's done. You know, and like how she like doesn't even hesitate to heal him, essentially, because yeah, I think that is the scene really where she fully acknowledges that she loves him too, really. And like when she runs away, I think it's as much about running from her feelings and the attachment she feels to him as it is from being scared by her own darkness. You know, because she tells Luke that she's afraid of herself. And I think she's also afraid of her feelings because she, when she leaves Kylo Ren on the Death Star, she's still under the impression, I think, that he's still evil. She doesn't know he's come back. And she's like, oh God, but I can't love this man. Because earlier you have that line, that really fascinating line that I want to see a shit ton of EU stuff about, to be honest, about Finn. I had a vision of the throne of the Sith and he assumes that she saw Kylo Ren sitting on it. And she's like, and me. Yeah, it's like, well, you sat on his lap. Because <laughs> it's one seat. It's a throne. Yeah. I really, really need everything for that. I need the fan fiction. I need the EU fiction. Oh, I need the fan plenty art. of that already out there. Are you kidding? There was plenty of that after The Force Awakens, let alone The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know there's lots out there. But I need to like, recontextualize stuff now that we have yeah. this new information. Um and oh poor ray yeah like and she's obviously afraid of that you know when she runs away she's afraid of becoming empress with kylo and giving into the feelings in a dark way and i think that's why the ending is so beautiful and powerful for her too because it's like no this love can be beautiful it can be pure it can be healing and yeah and she was right yeah you know she saw ben the whole time um yeah, it kind of comes back to what Han says in The Force Awakens, right? Women always figure out the truth. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So 
honestly I just feel glad having this conversation with you because just talking about this quickly now when I'm like in a state of emotional turmoil um, I'm already thinking shit yeah there's a lot to say about this film (laughs) yeah yeah there's a lot of noise yeah I think I think maybe that's the thing they focused for so because this is like the the central relationship that's the focus and then everything else is kind of I don't know if that was actually like a conscious thing in the production, but the writing, it seems like that all that stuff's um, secondary. Yeah, I think it's where all the care went in terms of crafting the like emotional impact. Uh, because, yeah, they weren't lying when they said the Ray and Kylo stuff was the heart of the movie. It obviously is. Because, um, yeah, it's true that the trio do spend a lot of time together in this movie. So they weren't lying about that. But... Yeah, I'm not sure how successful they were as a trio, you know, like I often wasn't quite feeling it much. And in part, that's intentional, you know, so it's as much about the conflict between them as it is about them working together as a team. Yay. Yeah. And Ray wandering off and doing her own thing. Yeah. And it was intentional, right? It wasn't like a a failing of the writing. It was to show that Ray's journey was actually quite different it wasn't just about winning the war for her it was a personal journey yeah there is a lot to love about this movie there's a lot to take issue with in this movie um but yeah like i did really enjoy it i think overall and i'm excited to see it again and i do hope that people who are disappointed slash overwhelmed will at least give it a second try like, and I don't necessarily expect slash think anyone will have their opinion radically transformed, you know, but I do hope it will help with that acceptance process and be like, okay, this is the story. Like, what can I salvage from this? What do I love about this? You know, like we've just been talking about how beautiful those Ray and Kylo slash Ben scenes are. Because, yeah. yeah, there is some really, really great stuff. It's just a shame there's so much, as you put it, noise surrounding it. I'm at least looking forward to all of the fic that should come out of this period. Oh my gosh. Ghost and Fuck, right? <laughs> yes. I've already seen lots of very entertaining changes to people's handles on Twitter, which yeah. like, ha! I need, I need to find all that stuff to, to get me through, because I'm, I'm struggling right now, guys. Yeah. It's painful and it's hard. It, it's like framed as a hopeful ending. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, it's supposed to be like, I, I know the the idea of Rey being on Tatooine has been criticised because she starts out on a desert planet when we meet her, but I don't think you're really meant to take away from it that she's going to stay on Tatooine. Yeah, and no. And she's there to kind of um, bury the sabres for Luke and Leia and kind of put all of that to rest. Like it's the, the ending of the Skywalker saga, right? And then she'll yeah. take the name into the future. Um. So, yeah, I, I don't think it means that she stays there. It's just kind of that happens to be the end of the movie. But in terms of, like, being a hopeful ending, I don't know how to kind of reconcile that with her soulmate being ripped away from her. Yeah, I found it a deeply melancholy ending, actually. Right. That's the and, best word I can think of to describe it. Yeah, okay. So I'm glad that you feel that way too, because I feel that way. But I, I swear in some of the interviews they've kind of presented it as it's going to be hopeful and i'm like Mm. i guess it is in that one of them's alive but you've got all this stuff throughout the movie in terms of like you know them being a dyad in the force and palpatine's like well you both live or you both die and it's like well that 
that's not what happens. Yeah. I think they're clearly going for the idea of her carrying him within her. Yeah. Aren't they? I, I In a very that. literal way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like ultimately you do still feel that heartbreak and loneliness in Ray. Like they don't dwell on it extensively in terms of her reaction because it's a Star Wars movie and they don't do that. But if you look at her face when she's back on the resistance base and hugging her friend, she looks shattered and heartbroken. She does. You know, and it's tough. And people are upset for a reason. Yeah, so. I am upset because... <laughs> oh, Kirsty, I wish I could hug you right now. <laughs> yeah. Ray was alone for so long. Yeah, I mean, it's really sad. And <laughs> you're completely valid to feel sad. <laughs> Sorry. I feel like um, the fandom might need like a, a group crying session at some point somehow. Oh, bless your heart. I really do want to hug you right now. <laughs> I completely get why a lot of people are upset with, you know, Ray ending her story alone. You yeah. Know, she, she's not alone in the galaxy. She obviously still has her friends. Yeah, of course. Um, and she sees the Force Ghost of Luke and Leia there, but she is without Ben, literally. I know the idea is that he, he's in her. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't <laughs> say that. His life force <laughs> resides in her. You know, they're spiritually entwined and all that. Oh my God. But. I, I do think, I think a lot of people quite valid to wish that that last scene, that he was there on Tatooine with her. So. Yeah. I think even if he were a force ghost, I think people would have probably taken comfort from that. Um, it's just his absence is pretty hard to deal with. It's a lot. But yeah, this movie, man. Like, have you seen the crack theories of people suggesting that she might be pregnant? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, in The Last Jedi, the hand touch, Ryan has said that that's as close as we're going to get to a sex scene in a Star Wars movie. Oh, yeah, and we went beyond the hand touch, guys. So, yeah, technically they'd already done the deed. Yep. Um, yeah, so who knows? <laughs> yeah. I think at this point Lucasfilm could pull anything. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know how that place works. I'm. I, I keep trying to imagine Kathleen Kennedy watching this movie and thinking, yep, it's good to go. And <laughs> I can't quite wrap my head around it. I'm yeah. sorry. No, it's fine. And I- watching it, it really did make me think. I honestly think they ran out of time. Oh, in-, yeah. in terms That's of editing impression. and stuff, it just seems like sloppy in a lot of places. Which is such a devastating thing to think about the final episode, supposedly in the Skywalker saga like yeah the idea that it could be rushed because you know if it was George Lucas he would have taken his time oh yeah 100% and it's a pity and I think we've defended the like lack of planning in the past you know of this trilogy but I think watching this is pretty clear they needed a plan oh god it's yeah it's so apparent because or if you didn't have a plan, because, you know, that's not the way a lot of writing works. You you do, to an extent, make it up as you go along. Um, and they did have, I believe, and I think that they will come out of this publicly soon, Raylo and Ben Demption were at the core of the trilogy from the beginning. And you can see that in the writing throughout. Yeah. But the rest of it, it is apparent that the other characters... And I almost went to say secondary characters there because I do believe they're treated that way, even though they're actually not characters like Finn. Um, are kind of put on the back burner, which is a real shame. Um, 
And I don't think that would have been such an issue if he'd had the same director slash writer throughout, but because they made the trade-off, the change to, to Ryan, and then they were going to go with Trevorrow, and then back to JJ, it just has this real disjointed feel, which is very unfortunate. Yeah, it is a real shame. And <sighs> I just wish they'd given them more time. You know, I think Disney had these like dates scheduled, you know, these regular dates two years apart for these movies. And I think they should have been three years apart, like the prequels and like the original trilogy, because that does just give you so much extra time to develop things and to work through things and to really be confident that you're happy with the story you're telling. Because I think it's going to come out that JJ did not feel like he achieved everything he set out to with this movie. You know, I think I've sensed a certain level of uncertainty about how this movie is going to be received and how well it works and some of the comments he's been saying recently. And yeah, I think if he had his way, he would have wanted more time too. Yeah, I just, I know it's business, but I just can't comprehend rushing something that is so important in the cultural landscape. And yeah. it just, it bums me out because this is, this kind of thing was what I was worried about in terms of Lucasfilm getting closer to something like Marvel. Yeah. Where things just kind of get compressed and flattened and, I don't know, it feels a little lifeless and cynical to me. Yeah. And it's a real shame because we shouldn't be coming off the final movie in this trilogy feeling that way. Yeah. And I'm I'm not going to let it impact how I feel about The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. I still love those movies and I... I, I do love The Force Awakens, so I'm not like, oh, I don't like JJ's style of Star Wars. I just don't quite know what happened here because because he did make a good Star Wars movie. Yeah. So it's capable. I just don't quite know what happened here. Yeah. It's the landed aspect of it, I think, that suffers. I feel at least somewhat happy in knowing that the Rey and Kylo stuff is this really strong through line throughout these three sequel trilogy movies. And I feel like they still have a really valuable and beautiful story in The Rise of Skywalker, even though it's surrounded by, frankly, a lot of nonsense. Um, So I take comfort in that, even though it ends in a heartbreaking fashion, as we have acknowledged. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's just a pity. And I'm very, very curious to see where Star Wars goes from here in terms of storytelling. We're obviously not going to get another like saga movie for a long time if ever so they're not going to be in a hurry to make episode 10 and i think that's good they need a big break guys (laughs) but yeah just in terms of what they do with these sequel trilogy characters and stuff i'm still very very invested in them and i still care about them a lot you know especially ray like i came out of this movie feeling so much heartbreak and sympathy for her to be honest because yeah god like daisy is really up there with adam in this movie in terms of her performance she really really sells it and they're fantastic together and i feel like the way she handles things is really brilliant and even when it's kind of ridiculous stuff like the ray palpatine bullshit i was moved by her performance you know when she's acting alongside ian mcdermott and he's obviously this embodiment of absolute evil you know and that contrast between him and Ray, who's like innocent and resolute and stubborn and persists in being herself despite 
all these external forces that are attempting to corrupt her and drag her down. Yeah. I find that really beautiful, inspiring and powerful, you know? So again, it's stuff like that that I can really hold on to in this movie. I did appreciate with that whole sequence, <laughs> which again seemed completely bizarre when you suddenly realize that they're in this almost stadium and there are all of these people there waiting to see the coronation of Empress Rey. <laughs> I have so many questions about that. Like, yeah. I came out with the impression that they were ghosts, like, Maybe. or spirits of some kind. Oh. It's obviously not clarified at all. But what's the alternative? Did you, like, send out, like, handwritten, like, invitations to, like, thousands know, of some people? Kind of, like, Sith council or following a cult or something. I don't know. Oh, my I God. Guess it doesn't Pablo matter, must but... have the world's biggest migraine right now. <laughs> um, But that he was, you know, obviously paralleling Return of the Jedi, like goading her to kill him because he was her family and then would turn her to the dark side and everything but um, that she did end up defeating him but by using his own lightning against him so mm. she wasn't destroying, she was defending herself with the two sabers there Yeah, thought that was quite powerful yeah, that was really well done and the way those two sabers interlock together and I liked how they used the voices as well like, so I thought that was, like, I could see that basically, I knew these spoilers in advance, you know, so I knew basically everything that was going to happen. And I thought that could be so cheesy, you know, but I thought it was quite well done with how you get her perspective on the sky, you know, and how she's so close to death and so close to the brink, basically, but she can still hold on and be strengthened and empowered by these voices. Because I really love that first line of Ray's in this movie, be with me. You know, I think there's a real poetry to that and there's a real beauty to that. And I thought it set up the stuff with her finally making that connection and accessing those past Jedi more powerful. Mm. It makes me wonder if those past Jedi ever tried to contact Ben when he was younger and falling. Mm. Yeah, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? You like... would like to think so. Because... <laughs> You know, this is the last Skywalker we're talking about, and obviously it turns out that he does have the capacity to be a good person. He is essentially a good person. Yeah. Um, but I just, I feel like so much failed this kid. Mm. Um, so yeah, so to have all of that for Rey, and then, I don't know. I mean, I know it's a thing in Star Wars for elder figures to, to mess up, but my God, Luke and Leia knew that Rey was a Palpatine all along. Through the last Jedi. Yeah, when like, Luke, when Luke was saying that, like on oh the God. island, I was like, "What the fuck, Luke?" Yeah, that made me mad because that did seem like a conscious thing for JJ trying to go back and erase or recontextualize things that might have been said in the last Jedi. And I know for sure that Ryan didn't mean them that way. Yeah. So what are you doing there? <laughs> like it was obviously like a Obi Wan moment. Well, from a certain point of view, <laughs> and it's like bullshit. You knew she was a Palpatine, and you didn't tell her. Yeah, it's just so cruel. Like <laughs> you're just kind of coming off as a bit of an ass there, Luke. Yeah, like Luke is just a dick in this movie. <laughs> it's like I hate again, you, Luke. It's, it's just like a Star Wars thing again. I have to accept that sometimes characters we love do these weirdly callous things and they're not acknowledged as callous yeah within the narrative it's just like oh yeah we knew yeah what you're gonna do the same thing that obi-wan and yoda did to you yeah 
Well, then that makes you a dick, Luke. That makes you an absolute <laughs> dick. Now, oh my God, Kirsty, I just remembered Hux. Can we talk about Hux, please? Uh, yeah, we can, because <laughs> I think we might feel differently about this. Okay, like so basically for me, from The Force Awakens, I've always found Hux a comedy character. So oh, yeah, I've, ne- I've never taken him seriously. So I thought it was really funny what happened to him in this movie. That probably makes me evil. No, it's Hux. Who cares? Like, yeah. it's not a sympathetic character. Yeah, but I really loved that line he had about, I don't care if you win, I just want Kylo Ren to lose. Or something like that. I thought that was boss. It doesn't quite think... work because I think Hux would care more about the First Order. Exactly. But... <laughs> this is the guy who in that first movie gave that rousing speech. Yeah. Like, I get it. He does hate Kylo Ren, but he also hates the Resistance. And he, again, I'm guessing that JJ didn't really consult with the the story group or care that much, but Hux was raised in the First Order. It's all he knows. It's all he has grown up to believe in. So for him to be like throwing that away because he doesn't like Kylo Ren is, (laughs) okay, whatever. I'll tell you what I need. I need a whole series of EU books that are just about how Kylo Ren makes Hux's life miserable in between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker to give that moment the gravity and emotional way it needs. I will say that this movie made it, and we've talked about this before, that of course the war is this case in Star Wars, it's just the backdrop to the personal conflict that's going on with Rey and Kylo. Of course. So yeah. so all this like, oh, how how will they beat the First Order? Oh, it turns into the Final Order. And then you've got General Pride, who turns out to have already worked with Palpatine in the past and takes yep. over from Hux and everything. None of this really matters. It's just window dressing. But <laughs> it seemed uh, more nonsensical than usual in this movie for them to be like yay we won but it wasn't really explained how (laughs) yeah like it was dumb it was very very dumb like this is a dumb silly movie in lots of ways but it's also a dumb silly movie that made us both cry so uh well that's the thing i didn't cry during Mm. i'm crying now after like during um i think it was the pacing Mm. I, I wasn't really able to feel anything. It was only when I came away. And of course, I did know what was going to happen going in. So I was prepared to an extent. Yeah. But it's it's after when I'm like, oh, my God, I just watched Ben Solo die. You yeah. Know? And I, I watched Ray go on living without him, her soulmate, her other half. Um, it's, it's later that it's, it's hit me emotionally. So I think we probably had quite different viewing experiences. I think it only hit me emotionally during the movie the second time I saw it. Because, yeah, like you, the first time you see it, you're just in a state of numb grief, perhaps, I suppose. And, yeah, the second time I was a bit more prepared, I did feel myself welling up a bit more, to be honest, in the moment. Um, Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is personal. Mm. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, boy, this movie made me feel things. Um, I liked how Richard E. Grant wandered around like he had a stick up his arse the whole time. He he was very good at that. Yeah, he he was a great evil general. Um, I felt he deserved a better death than the one he got um, <laughs> because it was just like how Captain Kennedy died in the Last Jedi, which and Kennedy's death was filmed in a much better, more interesting way. But it was just like yeah, the thing you're in goes boom, and you go boom too. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'd have liked something a bit more elaborate. Um, especially after he shot poor little Hux. It's like, come on. 
you there needs to be some sort of like what's the word I'm searching for galactic karma I suppose for being so mean yes yeah so mean to Huck yeah so <laughs> mean like why can't we get the Huck redemption that we all deserve oh, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh also can we talk a bit about Palpatine's motivations because that's something that was very confusing to me on first yeah. watch i think Please i have a, me through it. i think i have a better handle on it now but it's very poorly articulated so by the he movie wants kylo to kill ray mm-hmm. but is that actually what he wants because then once ray gets there like yeah so that's what confused me because I stupid <laughs> don't feel stupid the movie does a shit job at explaining it um i think what happens and correct me if any of this sounds wrong i think what happens is Palpatine sees Kylo as that vessel that he essentially wants Rey to be later on, you know. Um, so he's grooming him to be that. And he knows that the barrier between Kylo being able to be that vessel for him is his attachment to Rey. So that's why he needs him to kill Rey. But then as the movie goes on, obviously it becomes transparently clear that Kylo has no intention of killing Rey and that that's not going to happen. And so he shifts his plans to Rey, who to his fiendish delight he sees has actually got more dark side in her than he suspected and so he therefore sees her as vulnerable to his temptation and a potential host instead of Kylo because Kylo's clearly a lost cause at this point so I think that's the progression but again poorly articulated it doesn't really come through okay yeah I think I I don't know there's just something about the writing that's like this will change on a dime to be convenient for us and yeah i know that jj said that it was inevitable that palpatine would come back but i can't wrap my head around it because i get the okay if we're gonna redeem kylo ren who's been positioned as the central villain after killing snoke and now he's the supreme leader we need someone bigger than that for him to then team up with ray against um but i feel like it could have been done in a different way or you could have had a different character or i don't know yeah, I feel like it wasn't the only way. It wasn't like they had to bring back Palpatine. I feel like having Palpatine in that role raises a lot more questions than answers. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it creates lots of narrative problems, basically. Um, so I, I I totally get why JJ did it, but yeah, it's also like. JJ, if you're going to do that, you need to be prepared to have strong reasons for doing it. Exactly. You need to be able to really pull it off. It's and, kind of rough on the, yeah. uh, on the Return of the Jedi as well. Mm, exactly. So they never explain how Palpatine comes back. Like, I think the only logical assumption is that he's some sort of clone. Because Palpatine, when we first see him in The Rise of Skywalker, oh he does not look like Palpatine at the end of Return of the Jedi. He looks like Revenge of the Sith Palpatine, who's been through some bad bad shit um and he's blind and yeah it's not looking good but he looks more and like ian mcdermott basically he doesn't have the like monster makeup on at first and did you notice the snoke clones <laughs> oh that's the answer i needed baby the answer I a needed. bit of um alan dean foster's treatment crept in there <laughs> wonder if he's getting any royalties oh my god i bet poor alan dean foster can you imagine being him going into this movie seeing in like the first two minutes the snow clones you're like super amped for that like scene where luke is gonna fight down an army of snow clones and then it doesn't happen just the absolute shattering heartbreak I'm expecting kylo to slice off a 
portion of Ray's scalp. <laughs> Honestly, I know I I joked when uh, we did review that. Like, oh, this will make the Rise of Skywalker seem so much better. Um, they're not too far apart in terms of me trying to suspend my disbelief and get my head around character motivations and that. Yeah. I will say that the Rain Kylo stuff in The Rise of, of Skywalker course. is infinitely better than, is an exception. than in the Alan Dean Foster dream. <laughs> That's the exception, but in terms of like secondary character oh, God, yeah, and, yeah. and stuff like seeing those clones and Palpatine back from the dead and the final order oh. and Star Destroyers that have the power of Death Stars, I'm like, this is... Oh, Star Wars, you're so Alan fucking dumb. <laughs> It's so fucking dumb, yeah, Star but Wars. That's the thing, Star Wars doesn't have to be dumb. It's not always no, dumb. Sometimes it doesn't. it's amazing. And I think so. it's because of the contrast of The Last Jedi that this movie suffers more. I think if this movie had come off, I don't know, like the sequel trilogy equivalent of Attack of the Clones, The Rise of Skywalker would look much better for it, you know? But obviously that's not what's happening. It's coming off this really well articulated, clearly plotted incredibly well-made movie and yeah it's gonna suffer because of that comparison basically yeah and i just hoped that jj would reach for those heights but yeah he's almost consciously not done that and i'd i'd love to see more interviews now where he kind of explains why and (laughs) yeah what he's trying to go for here instead yeah i do feel like there are scenes here that are among my favorites in the whole sequel trilogy like that final Rain Kylo scene, that is one of my favourite films of the whole sequel trilogy. I, yeah. I need to watch it again. Yeah. So. Like, and yeah, it's a lot and it's more painful probably than any other scene in the whole sequel trilogy. But I do think it's amazing. I think that the lightsaber exchange, when Rey and Kylo sense each other on Exegol for the first time, that's one of my favourites in the trilogy. Um, I really love that scene where Rey heals the sandworm, actually, on Pasana. That was a nice slowed down point, yeah. Yeah, I just think in a such a frantic, busy movie where you're just constantly thinking, slow the fuck down, mm. it slowed the fuck down for that. And yeah. I was grateful because, yeah, that was just one of the many mo- moments in this movie that made me think, yeah, I love this. <laughs> and, it reminded me yeah. of uh, Forces of Destiny, Ray. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I did appreciate that there were just so many little moments with Rey where you see that kindness and tenderness from her. You know, like the way she is with Dio and the way she recognises that, like, Dio is suffering, basically. And you can sense that identification with this little droid, you know, because of what she went through as a child, I think, to some extent. And I know it sounds absurd, but it's a Star Wars thing. You know, people identifying with droids. I just love Ray so much and this movie reinforced that for me even at the same time that it made my heart break for her. Uh yeah, I I love Ray too. Um I I have to wrap my head around the stuff in this movie. Mm-hmm. But it it doesn't affect how much I love her arc and The Force Awakens and the Last Jedi and I it's in general it's how I thought her arc would go. Yeah. Of course in in relation to her antagonist. Mhm. And accepting that love and expressing it. Um, I just the context of the story is a, a little. I've got to get my head around it. Yeah, no, it's a lot, and that's a hundred percent valid. But 
yeah, I think we should probably wrap it up here, Kirsty, because I presume it's really late for you now. <laughs> Though, it yeah, is, I want yeah. you to sleep. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed talking through the movie with you, to be honest, and I hope it helped even a little bit. So I know it's still very raw. <laughs> so yeah, I hope it's useful to talk through it a bit. It is, and I think I'm. Well, I can't decide whether I'm going to go and see it tomorrow or not, but sure. I will see it again soon. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but, it'll be an ongoing thing. Yeah. It's not just for me, but for the, the fandom to watch this movie and kind of contextualize it in terms of the rest of the Skywalker saga and, yeah, figure out how we feel about it. Yeah. No, exactly. And I think everyone needs to know that their feelings are valid and don't be afraid to feel about the movie how you feel. So if you're disappointed by the movie, don't feel pressurised into liking it if people around you like it. And equally, if you like it and lots of other people are disappointed by the movie or angry with the movie, don't feel like you need to apologise for liking it, you know. Because at the end of the day, it's a movie and everyone is going to have a very personal response to and appreciation of it, you know. And it's all valid and no one opinion is more or less important or worthwhile than another. So, yeah, I hope people can respect that and be good to each other, guys. It it is going to be okay because ultimately it is just a movie. And yes, it's an important movie and it's a Star Wars movie. And we all love Star Wars and have been building up to this for two years. But, yeah, try to save what you love, guys. Or fight what you hate. So That's true. Well said. Thank you. Um, yeah, do you have any closing words, Kirsty, or should we just pick this up again next time when yeah, we're a bit more collected? <laughs> I'm sure there's more for us to talk about, kind of hone in on each of the characters and the different <laughs> subplots, if we can discern them. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. There's just so much. There is. Yeah, I need to kind of break it down a bit more for myself. Yeah, that novelization is going to be interesting, Kirsty. Oh yeah, I think the novelization might help. Yeah, and to have Ray written by a woman would be wonderful. Oh yeah, definitely. Hopefully, it will be the revenge of the Sith of novelizations. Oh my god, that kicked ass! I think maybe we should learn a lesson about setting our expectations too high. <laughs> That's true. That is true. <laughs> okay, forget I said that, guys. <laughs> um, okay, but in all sincerity, I really hope that everyone at least find something to enjoy in this movie you know like but if you don't that's fine too and i hope everyone can make peace with it in their own way and stuff and yet we'll be talking a lot more about this movie we're not going anywhere so it's all great um i'm not sure if we'll record again before christmas we'll have to see you know who knows um but if we don't i wish everyone very happy holidays and yeah here's to 2020 and who knows what's to come then (laughs) okay thanks guys Bye. Bye.